Foster here, and welcome to the Brand Forward Leadership Podcast. I am the creator of the Big Brand Formula and president of Jerry Foster Branding, where we specialize in working with service-based entrepreneurs who want to create a big brand and a strong message that sells so you can excite, delight, and ignite your market and make it easier to get clients. So, Please stick around to the end of the show and we will share how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes or so. In the meantime, let's go. Okay, welcome everybody to the Brand Ford Leadership Podcast. I'm Jerry Foster, the big branding guy, also known as the Branding Evangelist. We've got someone special today coming all the way. From the Cayman Islands. And I was joking with him because every time I hear that word, I think, uh-oh, opening up those illegal bank accounts. So we were joking about that. But he seems like a great guy. I told him I love his eyeglasses because I'm in the eyeglasses myself. So please welcome to the show, Michael Alexis. How you doing, dude? Yeah, it's um, I'm great. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm going to be talking about branding. I think that Cayman may have that, right? People think kind of money, et cetera. It's not that at all. It's so hard to even open up a bank account here. They're very <laughs> serious about it being legit. <laughs> I can't imagine. I really can't imagine. But like we were saying, it's a great place to vacation. The beaches, probably the shopping, the food. I gotta, I gotta add that to my uh, bucket list, as they say. Yeah, it's a pretty popular cruise stop. That's the way a lot of people visit here. I think there's three large ships here today. Oh my goodness! How long you been there? Uh, about three years I moved during the pandemic. Um, okay. you know, small island, actually not a ton of tourism compared to some of the others in the Caribbean. Okay. And that meant that uh, where were you before? Uh, I'm Canadian originally. I grew up near Toronto. Oh, nice. Yes. I have a lot of clients, a lot of Canadian clients and students. Interesting. Mainly Vancouver, Calgary, some London, Ontario. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, Toronto. Yeah, 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 yeah. But listen, Michael, please tell everybody what you do. What is your company about? Sure. So CEO of teambuilding.com. Nobody has ever been surprised that we run team building events. Specifically, they're for corporate clients. We have about 50 uh, games and activities that we do for them uh, in person. That means things like unconventional museum tours, uh, fun guacamole competitions that companies will plan for their employees. Uh, online, we have one called Online Office Games, which is icebreakers, trivia, communication games. Uh, we have one called Tiny Campfire, where we ship participants uh, a s'mores kit in advance, and they roast marshmallows in front of their computer over a little tea light candle. Uh, so a lot of focus on fun and helping people be happier at work. Uh, our clients, you've heard of all of them, right? Apple, Amazon, Google, Johnston Johnson, Netflix, uh, NASA, the Department of Homeland Security, U.S. Air Force, uh, sort of span the span the whole spectrum uh, of enterprise uh, and government, as well as uh, others that you may not have heard of, but you know, uh, law firms, educational institutions, nonprofits, startups. Um, anybody that wants to make the workplace a little bit happier, a little bit more engaging. Wow. Well, first, let me congratulate you and acknowledge you for building such an impressive client list. How long did it take <laughs> you to do that? Uh, thank you. Yeah, actually, relatively quickly. So prior to the pandemic, we had a couple of independent brands. One was called Museum Hack. It did Renegade okay. Tours, the world's best museums. And we were in a half dozen U.S. cities. Uh, and we had, we had one called The Great Guac Off, which is the guacamole making competitions. Uh, and each of those had worked with um, some of the impressive companies that I mentioned. But 
uh, we acquired the teambuilding.com domain uh, in late 2019 and we're putting off the pivot to it. It's a big deal to change a company to, hey, this is, you know, now, now we can invoice under this name. Now everybody has email addresses that are teambuilding.com. It's just, it's a lot that you need to think through. Uh, and so the pandemic hit, it crushed our in-person businesses, of course, right? In-person events, like all, all corporate travel group, et cetera, um, stopped. We had clients canceling, refunding, um, but we saw an opportunity then to make the pivots. So we switched to being teambuilding.com. And day one of the pandemic, uh, we started offering virtual team building uh, as a service. And we were the first company to do that in a major way. Um, so beat what was later to become many competitors uh, to the market. And because of that, we're able to very rapidly build a client list since, um, you know, March, 2020, when the pandemic hit until now, we've worked with, I think it's about 43,000 clients. We're nearing a million participants in our events. Um, and that was enough that in 2022, uh, we were named uh, number 15 on the Inc. 5000 list of five fastest growing private companies in America. Uh, we were number one for B2B services, number one in Washington state, um, and handful of other kind of accolades that come with that pace of growth. Are you the uh, sole owner of the company? Uh, no. Okay. How many partners do you have? Uh, so, uh, Tasha Dusky is the COO, uh, okay. also founder of the company. Oh, what, what's your role there? I'm sorry. CEO. Oh, okay. Okay. So right. She's COO operations, but it's joint leadership. Uh, I got you. Okay. The reason I asked that is because when I hear of a company like yours that has had such rapid success so quickly, I wonder, holy cow, what's your journey? What's your story? Mm. I mean, I don't need to tell you this. There are a whole lot of companies out there who do quote unquote team building for lack of a better word. What's your story and what's her story? Yeah. So, uh, I guess we give the, the quick version of that. I'll give a longer one. Um, I was, I was a lawyer, right? So I went and did my undergrad. I went to law school. I passed the bar, uh, started working as a lawyer, managed to do it for about a year, but was miserable for a lot of that time. Right? I just really didn't like uh, the type of work. I didn't like that it restricted me to being in one place because I would have to meet with clients. And the place that I chose for that was my hometown, which anybody that's ever moved away from their hometown kind of knows <laughs> for a reason. Um, it was easy for me to leave the legal profession. I came back to marketing, which is how I put myself through school. Actually, kind of rudimentary American. I wrote uh, case studies, blog articles for clients. I set up a few websites. Um, I tried my own little startups, uh, nothing that was mega successful, but gave me kind of the, the DIY skills to take on almost anything with entrepreneurship or at least the marketing um, and sales that goes with it. So uh, going into marketing, worked with a handful of different clients. One of them was actually Museum Hack, the company I mentioned. Um, and at the time that I joined, they were mostly B2C, running tours for public guests, people going on dates, families that were visiting uh, a museum. Uh, and we shifted to towards corporate tours, team building. Uh, and that got me interested in the space. So then um, began to focus on that, started uh, the great walk off together with Tasia. Um, and then became very committed to, to team building in general. Um, Tasha's, Tasha's route, I think, is more direct and makes a little bit more sense, right? I'm I'm a marketer. I get excited by, by business growth. If it wasn't team building, it could have been another industry, as long as it's meaningful, right? Like, sure. I don't know what an example would be, but I wouldn't want to 
like I'd never want to do something that exploits people, right? It's not just about making money, but I like the combination of we do good, we help people be happier at work, but also the growth element of, hey, just a business. Uh, Tasia has a background in positive psychology, which I think is more much more closely uh, relates. So um, counseling uh, originally with uh, kind of troubled youth and what she was able to do there. And she was able to look at that and go like, you know, I like helping people that are in, uh, I, don't, I don't know if, what the most PC appropriate phrasing is, but in, in a negative space, right? Like they're facing challenges and you help get them to neutral and hope that someday they'll be able to do more than that. She wanted to work with people who are already in maybe a pretty good spot and help them reach kind of the peak levels of happiness and performance. And I think kind of in employment and workplaces are one of the best places to make that happen. We have a lot of people who, you know, work for various companies, small, large, whatever, who are great at what they do. And if they have the right management, if they have the right leadership, if they have the right opportunities at work, they can really reach more potential than maybe they otherwise could have on their own. And certainly as part of a team, you can do a lot more. So there's a lot of good stuff there. Tasha's so Tasha's path was um, from that kind of more academic and counseling route into um, yeah, into startups, into team building, into performance management, et cetera. So I'm curious, I love the idea of helping people become happier at work. Yeah. I worked in corporate America myself for 10 years. And I'm curious as to where you guys have really planted your flag. Is it in certain departments? Is it within companies of a certain size, certain industries? Or is it more problem focused where you might say, this is where we excel in these kinds of problems and challenges within the, under the umbrella called team building? Yeah, yeah. So uh, a lot there. About 80% of our work is with enterprise clients, right? So again, you know, name one, we've probably been able to work with them. Very fortunate for us. Yeah. Uh, and the other 20% is the um, is law firms, is educational institutions, nonprofits, startups, uh, etc. Within those organizations, we tend to work with whatever uh, the HR department or people and culture department uh, is, and that sometimes depends on the size of the organization, right? Like Google has entire divisions, hundreds, not thousands of people that are in some kind of an HR people or event planning capacity. A smaller company of say like three, 400 people might have a people and culture director, or it might be an HR manager, or it might be somebody like this. Um, we also, you know, aside from H, uh, HR, people and culture, often work with executive assistants, department managers, right? Like a sales manager at a smaller mm -hmm. company or even a larger one might be planning it for their team of 25 or 50 people. So um, spans quite a bit. Within all of that, we are, we're focused on fun. There's a lot of different buckets of team building, right? Like training can be team building or a dinner out with your group can be team building and annual retreats and meetings can be team building. We just want people to have fun together. So all of our activities are uh, game-based, new theme game, things like you know murder mysteries or our own take on scavenger hunts or trivia or something like this. Trap everybody in a room who can find a way out. And... Yeah, kind of, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So is there is there a trend? I mean, is something trending from your perspective in terms of what some of the most common obstacles are that are standing in the way of people being happy at work what's going on because i've heard all the stories about the hybrid workplace 
the younger people, especially those in their 20s, I guess that's the Z generation, some of the millennials, they got spoiled. They love working at home. They don't want to come back because it's a toxic workplace, whatever. What, what, what's going on now, my friend? Yeah, all kinds of trends. So the one that I think would be most obvious is the switch back from virtual by necessity during the pandemic to in-person. And that looks different at every office, right? Nobody has quite figured out exactly what return to office or hybrid is for them. Some people do a couple of days here and there, whatever. Uh, and that's okay. But it does come with, you know, you know, add an adjective, you can say return to office, and that sounds fine. In a lot of cases, I think it's like, begrudgingly returning to office, right? Like right. all of a sudden people have commutes again and they're buying lunch again. And they're they're looking at the cons of going back to the office more than the pros. And so what we're seeing as, as a theme or a trend is companies trying to find the incentives, trying to find the ways that make people actually excited to be there. And I do think that, um, you know, if you take a, a slightly more meta step back from team building and just look at a company's social calendar or engagement calendar over the months, over the quarter of the year, that's that's the reason people are going in, right? It's it's not going to the office to get the work done. It's going to the office because you see other people and you're face to face and you can say hello in the morning. You can have a coffee together or in a more structured way. Like there's some things like, you know, the, the company pizza party that kind of gets a bad rap. But actually, it's a way to bring people together and, you know, yeah. maybe a good pizza there or, you know, on a Friday afternoon, having a cocktail party or on a on Tuesday morning, um, bringing in a guest speaker and everybody learns about how to improve their health or the productivity or something. There's just so many aspects of that social calendar that are actually ways to get people excited to be there because not everybody, many of us want to connect with other people. Uh, and that's going to bring a lot of happiness to our day. Um, aside from those trends. Uh, we're also seeing, uh, how to put it, so kind of investment and interest in doing more, I guess you'd call them more casual time together. It's not necessarily like we're going to go out of the office and we're going to do the big thing, although that happens too. It is nice actually some of those examples I mentioned, right? It, like, yeah. it can be a four and a half thing. It could be a 30 minute thing. Imagine you're getting people together at the beginning uh, of a meeting, whether virtual or in person. Uh, we have something called uh, the 8% rule, which is the idea that you spend 8% of the time with any meeting on fun social games and activities. Could just be an icebreaker question, could be like a couple questions of trivia. But the idea is that you have people together, spend a little bit of the time on social interaction, on team building, and that that's a very... Um, uh, it could like economical, sustainable, consistent way to do team building, to bring people, people together. Well, exactly. And just the idea of social interaction and, and team building that can only occur if people are face to face. I mean, we're going to do this by zoom. I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> let's get real here. I mean, I mean we, we've done tens of thousands of virtual events that we were able to bring people together successfully. It's really hard. okay it's harder for sure. And it took us even a learning curve, even with doing all those. Actually, there an interesting thing is that the biggest issue with online is that people try to too closely emulate what they would do in person. So if you do an in-person cocktail party, 
bring in drinks, a couple of snacks, and people will figure it out on their own. If you try to do that online, it's awkward, right? You have 50 people on the Zoom call, who talks when? But if you add more structure to it, so if you put people in the breakout rooms of you know five or six people, if you give them games and activities to do, if you give them prompts, then all of a sudden it can work online. So yeah, cocktail parties, um, holiday parties, um, the team building, it just, it needs to be more structured online if you want to have that same level of kind of engagement and connection. So to go back to what's trendy, is there a skew towards, let's say, the tech industry versus the manufacturers of widgets versus the professional service firms or the retail industry or the hospitality industry? Do you see any kind of pattern in terms yeah, I mean, of where you might see team building being more necessary there than ever before? Yeah, I mean, as far as talking about the return to office, uh, I do think people can critically look at whether they have to be in person or not. And I think there's a fair enough case that if you're building widgets, you probably have to yeah. be there on the factory floor, right? Or yeah. even something above and beyond widgets. If you're assembling um, cars, if you're doing a lot of kind of hands-on design, furniture design or something, right? Like I can see the case where you'd want it to be tactile. You'd want it to be there. You know, office workers, lawyers, accountants, um, and software engineers, um, marketing services. I think a lot of those people are the ones asking the questions like, sorry, hmm. why do I have to sit in this cubicle? Why do I have to be here? And so, yeah, it depend, depends on the industry, depends on the type of work being done for sure. Oh, yeah. There was a guy a couple of years ago, major brand, but he made the decision that my people don't need to be here. I'm not going to require that they come back. All they need is a computer. They can work from home. Because yeah. the argument I always read and heard about the employees is that, A, our production is up. We're happier. Why do we need to come back in? I mean, yeah. you can make the argument. On the other hand, the company is saying, well, wait a minute. We need you in here for those face-to-face -face interactions and, and team meetings and things like that. What What are your thoughts on that? So we've we've always been a hundred percent remote company, and I see the benefits of it. And especially when we started, like uh, we're fully bootstrapped, we've never taken outside money. Not having an office is incredibly cost efficient. Uh, it also lets you hire from a pool of talent, not just across the U.S. but around the world. Uh, a ton of big advantages, but some drawbacks as well, right? Every time. You know, I've, I've actually started thinking like, oh, I kind of wish we had an office that we could go into. It's not practical at this point because we people everywhere. Where would we put the office? Yeah. But every time we get our people together for a company retreat, I just see how much like joy and connection comes from it. Yeah. There's just something special uh, about it that really is difficult to emulate online, even though we're arguably the best in the world at it. Um, and even so aside from the fun and connection, so we just did our leadership retreat as well. We met up uh, in Miami and we had uh, leadership together for three, four days. It was an incredibly productive three or four days. Could we have done it on Zoom? Absolutely. But just sitting down at a table together and going, hey, this is our plan for the year. Let's actually do some hands-on work. It's just, it's just different. So I'd say if, you know, if you're not going to do the office thing, you still got to find ways to connect in person, do company retreats, do um, you know, get togethers once a year, twice a year, kind of whatever you can afford and whatever you have the flexibility as a company to do, the more the merrier. And I, I would also think that an incentive for the employee is the word that scares everyone called layoffs. I mean, I recently read that Google, what, just laid off a thousand people out of the blue or something. Yeah. And you hear all these horror stories about 
the cold way that these layoffs occur. I mean, you wake up to an email, today's your last day, or some kind of abrupt message by text. I mean, and, and here you are as an employee, you're giving your all, you're a good soldier, you're playing by the rules, you're taking a bull by the horns, you're, you're doing good work, and the next thing you know, you're out of work. So I've got to think, or I got to believe that the work you do is also very important from the standpoint of not only morale, but just their own mental health. Where, where, what's going on there? Yeah, helping the, the employees, especially recover after something like a layoff is traumatic, right? Yeah. Even, even if you were not the one fired, losing, you know, a friend that you used to sit next to or work with or, yeah. or have fun, whatever can be very problematic um, for the morale of the entire organization. It can stick around for a long time. Uh, that being said, I also want to be clear that we we don't know, we will probably never know exactly what happens behind the scenes at Google. And so from the management leadership perspective, maybe that was the best decision they can make. And yeah. it's really about tempering that morale and making sure that the people that still are there can yeah. have confidence in the leadership and the continuity and can still find happiness, et cetera. Uh, there's also... I know that a lot of companies are getting criticism for their impersonal layoffs. There is no good way to do layoffs, right? It's just a hurt. It's I'm, I'm like breaking up with somebody. There's no good way to break up with somebody. It's still it's still going to hurt. So um, I think, though, that if we are talking about the team building element, the engagement element, the important part is just acknowledging, realizing that it is a traumatic thing. And how do we how do we recover from that and make sure that people still feel connected and yeah. Uh, and happy and it can be tough we actually we do see you know it's it's hard to pinpoint the data and there could be a thousand other x factors often uh the companies that are doing layoffs actually take a pause on doing team building for a bit and i think that's fair right i mean if if the feeling is well all mm -hmm. my calls are just let go you don't necessarily want to be playing games and like happy yeah. well something it needs a little bit of time um which which is which is tough because on the other side of the coin, that's the exact time when you should be doing team building and connection. It's <laughs> maybe about the theme or the feel or something. And you know what, Michael, going back to Google and I'll throw Apple in there. I mean, holy cow, their their headquarters, world headquarters look like spaceships. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's sort of like, hey, we need employees to be in this giant office space. I mean, holy cow. But let's switch gears for a second, because I'm curious around the whole idea of team building from the perspective of what are companies thinking today? When, and, and they may not be the Fortune 1000 companies. It may be someone who's scaling, doing well. But I wonder how much value do they place on this? And... How do they really go about determining what makes the most sense? What really, what really bugs you about what what these companies may be thinking? Are they taking their employees for granted, for example? Are there bad bosses out there and they're not aware of the negative effect they're having on their people? Are they getting bad intel, the leaders of these companies, in terms of the importance of building that camaraderie? What are your thoughts on that? It's a lot of questions in there. So I know, I know. I, I, and, I, you got me excited, Michael. You get me excited here. Yeah. So do bad managers, do bad leaders exist? Sure, absolutely. Is it pervasive as uh, as the reviews or the gossip or whatever, or the PR might have you believe? 
I don't think so. Like, mm. I prefer to believe in a world where, you know, the management and the leadership, for the most part, are are flawed people with otherwise good intentions, right? And they want to take care of their people. That being said, I do think there's a lot of, um, uh, I think you could call it psychological effects, biases, et cetera, that come into play. Um, we were talking about the difference between uh, remote or in-person work, uh, et cetera. I do think there is something where you have a remote office where um, people become abstracted from the work. And so that if you were going to do layoffs, actually a less personal method, this kind of just giving people an automatic thing might feel okay because those aren't people, they're yeah. workers or there's something on the other side of the screen. And so there's some um, there's some kind of bias in there. There's some kind of um, something that isn't constructive to a uh, super connected workplace. So if you're aware of that, if you are past it, then it's good. Um, I think that, you know, if the clients we work with, regardless of the size, I there's either a cultural, um, it, you know, it's, team building is sort of built into the culture. It's something they invest in. It's not team building exclusively, or it can be an individual champion for it. So for the ones that are part of the culture, they also tend to be companies that have pretty impressive benefit packages, right? So mm -hmm. Google, you know, I expect if you go to Google uh, to work, they're probably a pretty competitive pay. I don't know exactly what they pay, but as far as the market goes competitive, but they're also famous for the benefits, right? They're doing their laundry. They're taking care of your kids. You have a fully paid for lunch. It's not surprising that a company that has a culture like that and investment like that is also big on team building, right? It's part of the whole kind of employee experience. At smaller organizations, and maybe a company that hasn't done a lot of team building before, often it is that internal champion, somebody in an HR role, somebody in a people and culture role who's very consciously saying like, this is the kind of company we want to be. We want to be the kind of company that hires you know, at teambuilding.com or even one of our competitors, whatever, because uh, we care about this because maybe even we see the ROI of this, right? Imagine, um, you know, selling team building to a people, a culture director, especially funding team building, pretty easy sell, right? Like they get it, they're bought in. They just want to make sure that it's going to be a good event. They're not going to be embarrassed or it's going to be awkward or whatever. So on team building to a CFO might be a little bit different. And then you're talking about, um, you know, is this going to increase performance? Is it going to increase retention? Uh, how is this going to play into the numbers for the year? And there are a lot of um, academic or in practice case studies that would support many of those two, right? It's, I forget the exact numbers, but it's like, if you have a close friend at work, you're, you know, 65% more likely to to be happy or stick around or something like this. I, uh, I and, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, and I was just going to add that we see that play out in, in a lot of the reviews that we get for our events. So one of my favorites, um, there was in the early days of the pandemic, there was, there was a, I think it was a software engineer or something. He left a review and just said like, you know, I've sat next to Tob for three years. So this is the most we've ever talked. So like a chance to create that connection. He now feels a little bit closer to Tom. He now is a friend in the workplace or the start of a friendship that can lead to yeah, being there for longer. And, you know, I was going to ask you about what is your favorite, one of your favorite success stories. And that's a good one right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah there are plenty of others, but yeah, that's oh, one. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious though, how do you deal with, quote unquote, the diverse workplace where you've got the whole thing of how men function versus how women function. And then you've got the differences in terms of ethnicity and nationalities and things of that nature. That's got to play a role in team building. Yeah. So we have a saying that 
goes, people have been people as long as we've been people, right? And so there are commonalities between us, regardless of where you're from, whatever your gender is, whatever your ethnicity is, there are commonalities. And I think, you know, find me one person from any country that doesn't like experiencing joy. It's going to be tough, right? Like we all, we all like joy. And so we try in our events and activities to create those moments that really do feel like the highlight of your day. That being said, our events are intentionally designed with diversity in mind. So the most specific of those would be uh, we have events that celebrate, you know, Black History Month or Pride Month uh, or something like this. They might be trivia based or game show based, okay. um, specifically on topics that are relevant to those demographics. On a wider scale, though, for all of our events, we do have to think about, oh, how do we accommodate an international audience here? If we have trivia and it's all focused on like U.S. pop music or U.S. history. So we have a. Um, there's a, there's a game that I play with my family. I think it's called, oh, Scattergories, right? People, a lot of people have probably heard of Scattergories. You play that, a lot of the props are like, name a US president. And <laughs> if you're American, easy, right? You've got, uh, how many, to like 45 or 46, 47, whatever to choose from. If you're Canadian, you probably only know like five presidents. <laughs> yeah. or US state or something like this. And Canada, we're, we're sharing a border with you. Find somebody in... I don't know. I, I, I don't want to pick anybody like Malaysia or something or Singapore <laughs> or Brazil. And you start saying, oh, tell me this aspect of American history. They're they're even further disconnected. So we are very intentional about making sure that our events are uh, inclusive and the trivia is something that's going to be kind of international appealing. Or if it was a scavenger hunt or game mechanics, um, those um, the facts, the trivia, the way we communicate the wording um is all is all geared towards the global audience it frankly like even if somebody uh, from another country lives in the u.s they may not have had the cultural exposure they may not have had the time yet to fully participate otherwise gotcha oh my goodness this is awesome you are you are awesome so (laughs) for people who are for people who are tuning in they are loving what they're hearing how can they connect with your company yeah, so teambuilding.com, right, right here is uh, is pretty easy to remember. A few different ways. So we have a blog with about 1,200 articles on it. We have 2 million readers a month, 24 million a year. Uh, that's a great resource to start learning more about team building topics, whether it was, you know, Google virtual team building, we come up first. Google virtual holiday party ideas, we come up first. Um, in-person stuff, office party ideas, employee engagement. Uh, You'll find us there and you'll find a lot um, that you can read and reflect on. Uh, If you do want to learn about doing an event, we have a self-checkout portal similar to, you know, if you were booking an online tour or something, uh, it's all there. You can talk with a sales rep or a client advisor uh, if you have specific questions. Uh, If anybody wants to connect with me personally, michaelalexis.com. It's a blog. I haven't updated in a little while, but uh, I think there's some good stuff there. Oh, I love it. I love it. Now, before we sign off, is there one last thing that you would like to say to our audience? Yeah, I would say that if you're uh, tentative or on the fence about doing team building, uh, that's normal. And uh, work past that and just go for it. That doesn't mean hire us. That doesn't mean hire another company to do it. You can start doing the DIY stuff today. So I mentioned the 8% rule, right? Like 8% of the time in a one hour meeting is five minutes. Google icebreaker questions, get a couple, just ask your colleagues, you know, um, especially in an organization where not everyone knows each other, say your name, say your role, and tell us about your favorite sandwich growing up. And you'll find commonalities between people and ways to connect, and you'll start to see the beneficial effects at virtually no cost, right? Okay, there's an opportunity cost of that five minutes, but you can fit it in. 
I love it. Well, I tell you that that old saying, it takes teamwork to make the dream work still applies even more so today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, Michael, it's been a joy having you here. You're a rock star. I feel honored to have you here. Uh, <laughs> it's my, my pleasure. Thank you so much. And to our listeners out there and viewers, I tell you, teambuilding.com, right? The fact that you even own that says something. <laughs> okay, that, that's worth millions, teambuilding.com. So congratulations, because Thank that you. really says a lot about your company in terms of being top of the list. Yeah, I guess if, if you're going to consider doing a team build event, you have to at least look at us, right? Hello, hello. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, my friend, thanks again. You're great. And to our audience out there, thank you for tuning in. Again, this is Jerry Foster, the big branding guy, also known as the branding evangelist, signing off. Take care. Jerry Foster here. Thank you so much for listening to my Brand Forward Leadership Podcast. Now, if you, if you are a successful service-based entrepreneur yourself and you've got amazing expertise, I mean services, skills, talents, and abilities that you offer through your company or yourself, and you've been in business for five, 10 years or more, and you would like to be a guest on this program, I would love to have you. Simply visit jerryfosterbranding.com forward slash brandforwardleadership forward slash apply, and I will certainly check you out and get to know you and so on and so forth. Now, let me just add a couple of other things. Number one, if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media for me? And if so, just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on your socials, okay? And number two, if you know someone that you feel would be a great guest, someone that I should meet and connect with and so on and so forth, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag BrandFordLeadership because I love seeing your posts. I love guest suggestions. That's how we all grow. That's how we all connect and make it through this world, which are through our relationships and our connections. And lastly, let me throw this in. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. I'm always on the lookout for not only great guests, but great content. And so therefore, because we're always putting great new stuff out, juicy stuff, make sure you don't miss any episodes in the future. So please go ahead and subscribe. And I also love what I love support i love love <laughs> so your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team so if you can find it in your heart to go ahead and show me that kind of support and love i would really appreciate it and on a second note if you would like to know more about me the work that I do, simply go to my website at jerryfosterbranding.com or follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook at Jerry Foster Branding or Instagram at Jerry Foster Big Brand Man. Okay? Jerry Foster Big Brand Man. Again, thanks for listening. Until we see you the next time, take care.